Hey guys, welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward, and this week we are lucky enough to get to chat with one of Ultra Running's elite racers, um, a really fast gentleman uh, of the name of Hayden Hawks. Uh, he's a Hoka athlete and um you know looking through his ultra signup results right here his very first race was speed goat 50k known as one of the hardest races hardest 50ks in the nation and he got first place um the next one's first place first place <laughs> i think you get the trend here uh his very first 50 miler was one of the most competitive 50 milers in the nation it's the north face endurance challenge in san francisco and he got second place um going all the way up to last year he did the ccc 100k in chamonix france and uh it goes through three three countries there um switzerland italy also and it's known worldwide as one of the very hardest races and he also got first there as well <laughs> um specifically in this episode i brought hayden on because recently um it wasn't necessarily a race that really inspired me to want to talk to him even though anytime you know i can get an elite ultra runner and just pick their brains that's always fascinating to me but uh but recently he did a self-planned self-traverse uh trip through the Bears Ears National Monument in uh, southern Utah. And, you know, I I have been following him on social media, seeing all the pictures. I mean, Bears Ears is just drop-dead gorgeous, unbelievably beautiful. It's what you imagine when you imagine a desert environment. It's in. It looks like when you watched all the old Westerns uh, as a kid, it's that environment. Um, it's completely beautiful, completely wild. Um, and his pictures were just blowing my mind. And then obviously, you know, if, if you have been following the news, kind of environmental news lately, the Bears Ears is an area in the United States that has come under uh, quite a bit of controversy and quite a bit of just like political debate um it was an area that you know in one of the last acts of president obama's uh presidential career he uh used his presidential power to preserve uh one million uh one million three hundred fifty one thousand eight hundred forty nine acres um for the Bears Ears National Monument. Um, and, you know, he he basically there has been a lot of Native American communities that have been really, um, really lobbying to get this area preserved because, you know, how meaningful and special it is to their uh, culture. Um, and then, you know, over the last year, Donald or President Trump has come in and recently has reduced it uh, to 200,000 acres. So that's like a 85% reduction of the monument. Um, and like I said, this has become under just severe controversy. People are claiming that the move is illegal, um, you know, and it's really going to be something that's in the public mind over the next few years. 
Um, me personally, I, and I know everyone's going to have their own opinion. They're totally free to it. Um, for me personally, obviously I'm a proponent for public lands. I love using them. I think they are so good just for the mental health of our nation. Um, and for people out there listening, you own this land. You can go out there. You can, we've had guests in the past who, you know, who basically live the uh, van life <laughs> where they kind of travel around the country and they use public land um, as their homes. I mean, they live on a, par- par- a portion of it for two weeks and then they move to another spot and they really live there and, and love to explore it. And you guys have that opportunity as an American citizen right now. You can go out and do that. It's public for a reason. Um, and you can go around and find all sorts of public lands, you know, anywhere in the country, especially, you know, I'm in Colorado right now. So especially out West, there's um, more public lands out here, but you can find them anywhere. And for me, public lands are where I find my adventure, where I can go out, I can disconnect, I can find adventure. I can really learn something about myself um, and really learn something about the country. And you feel more a part of nature. It really kind of puts your place in this world into perspective. And it makes some of your problems maybe not seem as large because all of a sudden you're in this area and you're just like, this is such a giant area that really doesn't, care about my problems one way or the other, you know, and it really kind of helps you keep your life in perspective and bring you, you know, kind of a, just a good view on where you are in the world. So to me, public lands are incredibly important. Um, and, and I guess my other thought here without like, I don't want this podcast to get super political and I don't think it does in the interview, but my other thought here is just the idea that once these lands are sold to private people, companies, whatever, once they're sold, it's nearly impossible to get them back for the public. You don't, you barely hear about it going the other way where someone with private land, you know, sells it off to the government and makes it become public. You don't hear about that nearly as much as, uh, public land selling off to private. So once this land has been sold, it's not going to come back. We're not going to have access to it back. And I guess that's about as political uh, <laughs> as I'll get here. And really, like I said, Hayden, Hayden, basically his idea is this. And I, I learned this quote today. So let me let me do a quote here. Um, it's tell me and I forget. Teach me. And I remember, involve me and I learn. And I think Hayden really wanted to involve himself in the bear's ears and really experience it for himself so he could really learn learn about what, what the big deal is. Why is this a place that people are really getting up in arms about? Um, which I think is wonderful. And I think all of us should be involved and we can learn. And if this is something that you're, you know, if you're someone who enjoys nature, um, take your kids out, involve them in it, involve yourself in it as much as possible because you do learn so much 
about the world you're in and about yourself. And that's so incredibly important, especially in the day, like these days where, you know, you can be online all day, every day and just distract yourself. So take some time. This is the first podcast of 2018 that I'm doing. So in 2018, make it a priority to travel somewhere new. Make it a priority to visit some new land, some new area. And I guarantee you, you will gain something from that experience. Uh, and then I guess the second lesson I took away from Hayden, just as a like a badass ultra runner <laughs> um, and talking to him afterwards, it just shocked me. I'm like, dude, you've signed up for some of like the hardest races in the world. And he's like, oh, yeah. So the first 50K, first 50 miler, first 100K, they're all kind of like the top of the top races here. Um, and he signed up for UTMB next year, which if you don't know what that is, is a uh, hundred miler in, in Chamonix also in France. Um, and it's known as like the Super Bowl of ultra running around the world. It's the hardest one with the hardest competition. And so something I took away from Hayden is like, step up to the plate, man. That's what we should do. Like if you're going to set a goal for yourself, step up to the plate and get ready like do the hard like take on the hardest version of the goal possible and see if you can compete and see if you can accomplish it like i think that's so brave and just so courageous is just stepping up and taking it on so i really hope you guys enjoy this episode if you're in the utah area or if you're planning a trip to utah plan a trip to bears ears check it out see why it's so meaningful to so many people And if you guys enjoy this show, uh, you know, our podcast here on Like a Bigfoot, we're not all about ultra running. You know, I love ultra running and we do have quite a few ultra running guests um, and topics, but we're kind of all about just exploring the outdoors, setting goals, accomplishing them. Um, So yeah, check out all of our episodes. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, anywhere where you find podcasts to listen to. like I said, recently we've had such a string of like amazing guests is blowing my mind. So the last two were about Appalachian Trail and then goal settings and then, you know, the Ure 100 and climbing Everest and setting the California coastal fastest known time. Just a lot of really cool episodes. So go on, check us out. If you like us, go on iTunes, subscribe, leave us a review. Everything helps uh, kind of spread the word, which is one of my goals of 2018. All right, guys, let's get into it. This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 75 with elite ultra runner, Hoka athlete, Hayden Hawks. All right, guys, uh, I want to welcome Hayden Hawks to the podcast this week. And uh, first of all, man, thank you for having such an easy name to pronounce because... I'm like 50-50 on pronouncing names on this podcast, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, I guess I uh, thank my parents for that one. (laughs) I got to say, like, this is going to be a really weird question to start with, but I just told you I'm from Iowa originally, and uh, the the University of Iowa football team is called the Hawkeyes, so Hawks, Yeah, yeah, and we had, like, a legendary college football coach named Hayden Fry, so is there, like, were your parents secretly Iowa football fans? 
No, I don't think so, actually. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know where they came up with the name. Yeah. My mom came up with the name, but yeah. um, I actually, when I uh, was in college, I, have a, I had a teammate who would always call me Hawkeye nice. all the time. So I don't know if it was after Iowa or if Mash. it was after the, the superhero or something. But. Oh, nice. Yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it was funny, though. Like, I was typing in Hayden Hawks, you know, looking up some, like, info about you and stuff. And it just kept bringing up, like, Hayden Fry's Hawkeyes. And I was like, oh, hey, sweet. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. So, yeah, I just I wanted to have you on specifically to talk about an adventure, uh, kind of an adventure run you just had. um, in bears ears national monument but uh before we do that man like i went on your ultra sign up and it just kind of blew me away you're you're extremely fast <laughs> so no, thank you thank yeah. you <laughs> when how did you get into ultra running yeah uh kind of so I, I ran collegiately um at southern utah university um here in cedar city actually i'm here right now and, and uh you know ran the 5k 10k cross country Really enjoyed it, you know, built up a, a really good speed base, you know, yeah. being a, a track and field runner and cross country runner. And uh, my whole time in college, I was always like trying to make the Olympic trials, you know, for the 10K and trying to be an All-American and a national champion. And I got really, really close, but it was a lot of really hard work and a lot of just like monotonous type training, you know, yeah. to do that. Um lots of you know laps on the track and just running on roads all the time and don't get me wrong you know i still enjoy you know pounding out a session on the track and stuff but i i kind of by the end of college i was kind of a little burnt out to be honest with you just from from all the monotony of of running on roads and track and was like you know hey i love the mountains i've always loved the mountains you know i grew up in the mountains you know my my dad was always taking me up to the mountains when i was younger and i love running you know, why not put them together yeah. and, uh, you know, try this whole trail running thing. You know, I always had this, this dream or this desire that I wanted to run an ultra marathon someday, but I always thought it was going to be when I was like 50, 60 years old at the end of my running career, you <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so I just, I, I signed up for a trail race straight out of college, you know, it was like, Hey, I can use my collegiate fitness, you know, jump into this, this mountain race. I signed up for the U S mountain championships in New Hampshire because um, it was like a 10k race and was like hey th that's short enough i can do it went out you know flew out there um ended up taking fourth and qualifying for the u.s national team that's awesome and it was just kind of like from then on it was like man this i love this like <laughs> trail running is the way to go you know i i can mix both of my loves together i can have these adventures you know like the bear's ears thing that i'm doing and i can just really like enjoy myself as a runner and so I, I find a lot of peace and a lot of happiness in running on trails yeah man well so i guess i want to ask you this a lot like i guess the like stereotype thought of trail running is that it slows you down um and i know for me you know going out for a run on the trail i'm definitely going a bit slower because it's up the hill over rocks you know um but have you found that to be your experience i mean has it really slowed down your times or can you still go out on the road and just like rock out like a crazy 10k i'd say trail running has made me a stronger runner you know like yeah. stronger being able to grind for long periods of time you know being able to just like 
just go out there and hit tempos and those type of workouts really, really good. Um, track per se, you know, running 200 repeats on the track, yeah. 300 repeats on track. That's tough. You know, I, I've definitely slowed down a little that way, but that's just because I don't do a lot of it anymore. Yeah. You know, I'm sure if I jumped in and I started doing that stuff more, I would get it back really quickly and I'd probably be faster and stronger than I was before because of the strength that I've gained on the trails. Yeah. You know, like me and my wife, we were talking about this yesterday. She's a road runner herself. You know, she's, she ran collegiately at Southern Utah as well. And she's really fast. And we're just talking about how there's trail running's hard. You know, it's tough. <laughs> it gets your heart rate up really, really high. You know, it's, it's a tough thing to do. And I think a lot of people don't realize that they think that it's just a bunch of slow people out there, you know, having fun on the trails, Yeah. but no, you know, trail runners are athletes, you know, they're just as athletically talented as road runners, you know, and, and they should get more credit for it because it's hard, you know, to go up and down, you know, gaining, you know, 20,000 feet of vert over a hundred K or a hundred mile, you know, it's, it's not easy stuff. Yeah. It's a, well, it's a lot more mental strength. <laughs> totally. And then during like the 10 K, like the shorter races, you're using like every muscle in your body, like your upper body too. Like you don't, people don't really realize that until you actually go out and do it. But like the way you're twisting and turning, I mean, you're using it all And yeah, yeah. It's, it's one. I mean, this is coming from me who I absolutely love trail running. It's like my favorite thing in the whole wide world. But, uh, but yeah, man. So, uh, <laughs> That's awesome. What um what kind of advantages do you think being a collegiate runner brings you? Because I feel like you step into the tra- like a lot of collegiate runners step into the trail running scene, and they have all these advantages just from that training cross country in college. Yeah, for sure. I think the biggest advantage it gives you is I know how to train. You yeah. know, I know I structured training. You know, I know how to periodize my training. Um, a lot of people that have never been in a collegiate system, they don't really know how to train per se. Um, because it's, you know, training is kind of an art, you know, learning how to train, learning how to periodize your training, learning, you know, when you need to take a break, when you need to run fast, what type of workouts you need to do. I know how to do all that because I have, I was a collegiate athlete, you know, also, um, just learning how to compete, you know, when in college you're running against super fast guys everybody's fast yeah you know and it's and you have to learn how to compete you have to learn how to uh i guess not fold under pressure and uh so that's really helped me you know i i don't really i can handle pressure really well i feel you know and that's probably because of my collegiate days you know and also just speed you know like i can run a sub five minute mile and pretty comfortably you know, when most people can't, oh, man, that's crazy. You know? <laughs> so it's just like, you know, that gives me an advantage at the end of a race or on yeah. a flat section of a race, you know, I can go drop a five minute mile and most people can only drop a six minute mile and I'm gaining a minute on them in just one mile. That's so, so crazy, man. So, uh, your first ultra, what was it? Like, I, I think I, I was reading your ultra sign up today. Was it the speed goat 50 K? Yeah, yeah. That was, so that was my first ultra that I did. Um, signed up the day before the race. <laughs> um, had no clue what I was doing. I, uh, I was actually the guy I just ran with. Just barely was asking me about that, and I, I was telling him the story how I went up. You know, 
I actually, so this is kind of a cool part of the story that a lot of, I haven't shared with a lot of people is I was supposed to work that day at the local running store. You know, I was scheduled to work and I tried to find people to like cover my shift and nobody would cover my shift. <laughs> and my wife, you know, she had worked at the store before, like one or two days in the past. And she was like, I'll cover your shift. You go up there, you run the race, I'll cover your shift for you. And so I have to give a lot of credit to her, you know, for taking my shift for me because I wouldn't have been able to do it if it wasn't for her. So I, I drove up, you know, to the mountain, got up there, had no clue what I was doing. I uh, had a buddy who threw a pack on me and was like, hey, wear this. Gave me some, some gels and some salt tabs. And he said, take one of these every 30 minutes and one of these every hour. And that's all I knew. I had no clue what the course was like. I, yeah. I'd never ran in that area before. Um, I just took the lead and started pushing the pace. And later on, I realized that I was pushing the pace on Chris Vargo and Alex Nichols, you know, guys that are really well-established trail runners. And I had no clue who they were at the time because yeah. I, I wasn't used to the trail scene. But yeah, I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushed until I had nothing left. And luckily, I had enough to to win the race yeah. so that's so crazy <laughs> man so um first of all is that like near like is that close to you you know is that race kind of by where yeah, you are it's, it's in utah it's okay. about three hours north though still so it's a little drive were uh, were you aware that like isn't that known as one of the hardest 50ks in the country yeah uh i wasn't too sure until the day before so <laughs> I knew it was going to be tough because yeah. the guy that I uh, had actually had talked to him about it and he was there running it, he told me it was a tough race, but I really didn't know how tough it was. I didn't understand what tough was, yeah. you know what I mean, like with trail running. And uh, so, yeah, I didn't know that it was the one of the hardest races in North America until the day before when I asked my buddy, I was like, so how hard is this race? And he was like, well, you know, it's, it's one of the toughest races in North America and I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess way to jump into it, right? You know, like go big or go home type type deal, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. Wow, man, that's crazy. Was there any part of the race where it just kind of hit you like, oh, like this is the amount of pain that, you know, ultra runners have to be in to actually compete? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I, I think I remember when I was the ridge, there's a ridge that goes up to Hidden Peak right before the final descent and that ridge was so hard man i just remember like feeling so much pain and was like holy crap what did i get myself into like <laughs> i don't i don't know if i can finish this thing and luckily i got to the top and then they're like oh it's, it's downhill the rest of the way i was like oh thank you but i didn't realize it was like technical downhill and yeah. so that whole descent was like nice like getting stabbed into my legs you know and i was just like <laughs> Oh, just go, just go, you know. But at that time, I knew I had a lead, and I knew like there was prize money and stuff on the line. So yeah. I was like, I gotta win this, you know. I gotta do this for my wife, you know. She worked for me. I gotta do it for her. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely gained a lot of respect during that race, and uh, you know, I feel just very fortunate, you know, that I was able to do what I did. Um, you know, not ever running on that type of terrain before so yeah yeah man do you when you take a lead in a race do you ever have the little voice of like self-doubt in the back of your mind 
sometimes. Like, how uh, do you silence it? Because I remember I, I, I like have only taken the lead a couple times in a race, but like, there's the instance where you realize like I'm at first, like no one's in front of me, and you're like, oh man, don't mess this up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I like to test the waters a little bit when I do take a lead. Um, uh-huh. At CCC, I did this. Yeah. So I would, uh, I, I went out and I and I kind of put a huge surge in. I was like, okay, come with me, you know, kind of putting a bait out there, you know, for for the for them to come at. And when I saw a couple guys come at me, I was like, okay, so I slowed down a little bit, and then I went again and slowed down and went again. I kept putting these little surges, nice. you know, kind of playing with the competition, seeing what they were gonna do. And when I finally that like third or fourth surge, I knew that I had them because I surged and they didn't respond like Ooh, they did before. Nice, man. And that's when I feel confident, you yeah. know, knowing like, okay, I got this. Like they're not going to be able to come with me. You know, I, I need to make time up. I need to, you know, really build my lead. You know, and I've just learned over years, this again, being a collegiate runner, I've learned that if you're going to commit, if you're going to take a lead or if you're going to put in a surge or if you're going to chase somebody, you have to be fully committed. You, you, you can't half it. You know, you can't yeah. sit there and be like, you know, oh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't do this. No, you have to be fully committed because that full commitment gives you confidence. Um, that confidence will keep building and building and building as your lead grows. And, you know, that's how you win races. You have to be confident and you have to be committed. So, yeah, that's awesome, man. I didn't like that's that's what I'm talking about with like the collegiate training. You get the little strategies like that, that, you know, people who are never really raced competitively don't really necessarily know or understand like the psychological edge, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Which is awesome, man. So, yeah, let's get into Bears Ears because the thing I love about ultra running and I kind of always I've tried to describe this to friends is like because there's a part of it, you know, racing's great. I love racing. But then the other half of it is like, I just like going out in the wilderness and exploring and, uh, being able to run these like crazy long distances sort of gives you almost like a superpower quote unquote that like (laughs) allows you to just head out into the wilderness on these crazy distances and see all these amazing places. And I just think it's really cool that you, you use this ability to explore and really bring light to um, the bear's ears, which, you know, I guess you can kind of go into it a bit, but is definitely in the public, public attention and public mindset right now. Yeah, for sure. You know, I've always enjoyed adventure running, you know, uh, I like running fast, but I also like going out there and just kind of seeing you know seeing the beauty around you and really taking the time every now and then to look at something and just see the inner beauty in it or the outer beauty and just being able to really find a peace you know with you and the and and the outdoors um you know i've done this for years i've always done these little adventure things you know when i was younger like i said my dad and my brother and me we would go on these big big backpacking trips you know um, we'd go out camping for weeks, at, you know, a week at a time and just spend time in the, in the, the, you know, the forest or up in the mountains and just really become one with, you know, like I said, the outdoors, but also really build a relationship with one another. And, uh, so that's why I really enjoy doing it. You know, I, my brother comes with me a lot of the times I have some friends that come with me and, you know, we do it around here all the time. Yeah. You know, when I, in Zion, there's a lot of 
cool places in the back country of Zion that a lot of people don't go to. And I've been able to pretty much see the entire park, you know, some amazing places that aren't seen because nobody is willing to venture off trail every now and then or, you know, go and see these cool places and because they take time, yeah. you know, and they're hard to get to. Um, but I really enjoy doing it. Um, funny story, actually, before I did my Zion Traverse this year, I kind of got caught doing this. So two days before my Zion Traverse, I ended up doing this kind of adventure run. And I ended up going out for almost 10 hours yeah. and got lost. <laughs> and then I had to go do the traverse two days later. So <laughs> I have to be careful with it because yeah. I need to run fast sometimes and I need adventure <laughs> sometimes. Um, sometimes I wear myself out doing it. But I just it's just something inside of me that I, I really love to do. Yeah. And so the whole Bears Ears thing, you know, with all this stuff happening with Bears Ears, it was like, you know – I can do this. You know, I can do this for bear's ears. I've done it before. Um, let's go explore the area. You know, let's go educate people, use my social media presence, you know, use my, my presence as a, an elite ultra runner to really show people how wonderful and how beautiful and how culturally significant this area is and really, you know, do it to maybe raise some awareness, raise some, you know, some funds, and so that was our, our whole goal into it. It was like, not only do we get to adventure and learn for ourselves and educate ourselves on the land, but we get to educate other people. You know, I get to use my talents that I've been given to help other people. Yeah, man. So, Can you kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of just give a general idea of what has been going on with Bears Ears? I mean, you know, I, I know... A little bit about it but I'm sure you probably are a little bit more well informed yeah yeah so I think a lot of people don't even know where the Bears Ears area is <laughs> yeah. let's too, start there you know? <laughs> yeah let, let me start there because you know then you can see where it's at so it's in it's in southeastern Utah in the southeast corner of Utah pretty much uh, Moab you know mo mo a lot of people know where Moab's at yeah. so just south of Moab Canyonlands National Park okay um and then just north of a town called Bluff, Utah, or a town called Mexican Hat, Utah. Yeah, man. I did uh, Monument Valley, uh, the Monument Valley 50-miler last year. Yeah, so yeah. We so drove... just north of Monument Valley. Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah. And so it's it's right, you know, in between the reservation to the yeah. south and Moab to the north. Oh. So it's just a beautiful area, so incredible pretty. area. Yeah, like just... driving, driving down there just through Utah in general, every 40 minutes was like a complete different change of scenery. And it was just blowing my mind the whole time. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so gorgeous. And so the area is very diverse too. like the northern part of the area of the Bears Ears area is pine trees, you know, mountain peaks. Um, there's, you know, 10,000 plus feet peaks, you know, in the north section. Um, and then on the south section, it's all red rock, you know, okay. the monuments like Monument Valley. Um, and then in the middle section, there's all these canyons and gulches is what they call them. It's just like a very canyon area. And this area is very important to the Native Americans because the Native Americans, a lot of their ancestors lived in this area. There's countless numbers of artifacts, ancient ruins, you know, cliff dwellings, different things like that, pictographs, uh, petroglyphs all over the area. 
And so it's very sacred to them. They look at this area as a place where they can go become one with their ancestors, you know, where they can learn. It's, it's a history place for them. And uh, plus, it's just a beautiful area with arches and a bunch of different, you know, geological structures as well. So, you know, but, you know, when President Obama was here um, in office, you know, right before he left office, he designated this, this area as a national monument to protect it. Um, not only for, you know, the geological part of it, but for the Native Americans, for other, you know, issues as well. Um, there's been a lot of uh, mining and oil, you know, oil rigs and different things like that, that they've tried to do in this area. And so we wanted to protect it from a lot of that. Yeah. And uh, recently, you know, under the Trump administration, there's been some, you know, they, they've cut the monument you know, by 85%. Yeah, what I looked up uh, earlier said there was originally 1.5 million acres, which is huge. And then it's been reduced to 200,000 acres. Yeah, exactly. Um, Exactly. And it's kind of the, I mean, uh, there's a lot of various uh, national monuments that have been kind of targeted to be reduced. uh, But this one's kind of the big one that uh, is getting all the national attention. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of it has to deal with mining and, you know, oil and stuff like that. They want the land for that, you know, for those uses. Um, without getting too political with it, you know, yeah. I just, I really wanted to go out there, you know, whatever your opinion is on it, you know, if you support it, if you don't support it. I wanted people to be educated before they make a decision on it. Because, like I said, people don't even know where the area is. You know, <laughs> yeah. they don't know anything about it. How can you make a decision and say, "Oh, I, I don't, I don't agree with this," or even "I agree with this," if you don't know the area and you don't know the the cultural significance of it, and you don't know what the important importance is of it? Yeah. Um, and so that was my big thing: was like, "Hey, people need to be educated before they make a decision." Definitely. Um, and so that's why we went out there, you know, and we're we're hoping, you know, that you know, that it will be protected, you know, um, if the government decides they don't want to protect it, we can protect it ourselves though, you know, by being educated, yeah. um, and educating other people. And one of the things I did is I, I raised money for the Bears Ears Education Center, which is actually like a visitor center that they're building in Bluff, Utah to help educate people about the land. And their whole thing is if the go- like I said, if the government's not going to protect it, we can protect it by, having people come to the visitor center and and realizing the importance of the land that way you know they can tread lightly on the land and and not destroy you know the artifacts and different things like that um because there's been issues with that in the past you know people shooting up petroglyphs you know or stealing you know artifacts from the sites and it's just not cool (laughs) well like doing some some research today um which is generally how i operate like last minute research (laughs) Um, (laughs) one of the reasons why they actually uh created the whole idea of a national monument is because back in like the early 1900s people were going into these lands and stealing artifacts and kind of ruining these archaeological sites and you know, it, and it's just, it's interesting, like that still goes on today and it is why it's important to be able to designate something, a national monument, which is kind of like sort of like not really the first step. Well, I guess you could say it, like the first step towards 
becoming a national park and the national parks generally have a little more protection and it's harder yeah. to you know take away parts of a national park versus a national monument yeah i mean it'd be awesome if it becomes a national park someday you know that's what we kind of hope for it'll yeah. bring jobs to the area too and um you know i think it'd make both sides happy but you know it's we'll, we'll see what happens you know that's why we can get out and vote and and do what we can you know for it as well yeah um well yeah just, it seems like it would be an because also reading up on a few things it basically what i was finding is to become a national park you need like various like a variety of of different locations and things there um and it sounds like bears ears would be like perfect for that you know you're saying there's mountains canyons monuments you know there's all sorts of different things there and and it's so big it would it seems like it's just ripe for becoming a national park which is super cool yeah the cool thing about the area too is uh it's so wild man yeah. like you go out yeah. there there's nobody like in the th the 100 miles that we ran through the area we didn't see one single person wow you know, we were out there on trails by ourselves the whole time, you know, and it was, it's just so cool. It's so peaceful. There's no noises and, you know, there's no pollution, nothing like that. It's just such a cool place to be, you know, yeah. uh, um, and we were spending the whole day, you know, we'd wake up at nine in the morning and get back at 10 and 10, 11 o'clock at night, wake up wow. the next day and go do it more, you know, and it was just such a, a cool experience for, uh, for us. And so, yeah. Well, let's get into the experience. What, uh, like, how did you plan? Did you plan a certain route? You know, were you trying to go through specific areas of it or, or how did that, how did that go? Yeah. Hey, I'm going to kind of walk around here. I need to get my cool, charger man. real quick. No, but. that's cool. I, I realized, so <laughs> I, uh, I thought it was going to be like 50 degrees out today. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do these podcasts outside today. It's going to be, going to be super nice. And then I was sitting out here. Yeah, and I was like, it is not. It's like thirty-five degrees, and so I was like, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be stubborn and keep recording outside, even though I'm trying not to like shiver and I can see my own breath. So yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so All I right. totally understand, man. I'm trying to find my charger. I just got. I just saw that. Uh, it was uh, dying on me. No, but <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, the experience was awesome, man. Like. So we went out on um, the first day. We did 40 miles um, in wow. a place called the Cane Gulch area. We started really early. Um, we didn't get actually uh, back until like 10 o'clock at night. So it was just like so, we, we ended up hiking out in the dark. Wow. Um, were you doing a loop and then you're going back to your campsite or were you like packing all your stuff with you? We were doing a loop, but one thing with me and – Maybe uh, uh, my brother and my friend don't really appreciate this is uh, I kind of when I go out on these adventures, I don't tell people exactly how far I'm going to go or what I'm going to do. Yeah. I kind of just say like, hey, let's go out, you know, let's go do this. Let's go have some fun. And uh, um, don't really say, you know, oh, this is where we're going. This is what we're doing. Yeah. I had it all planned out in my mind. But I was like, <laughs> hey, man, I want to be out here till like. 10 o'clock at night like it would be so cool to hike out in the in the dark you know yeah. get the whole perspective of what the area is about and so we got like halfway through and my buddy's like 
dude, we're pretty far out here. Like we should probably should turn around. <laughs> like, no, let's just keep going. Let's keep going, you know? And so we just kept going and they were probably a little upset because we ended up like being really tired, really hungry by the end. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we, uh, we ended up doing it and it was, it's just an incredible day. You yeah. Know? So what, what's that area like? Um, if you, I mean, I, the thing is like, as I'm looking at pictures of bears ears or like watching videos today, I was thinking to myself, you know, it's almost impossible to actually describe using words, you know, like you almost have to see it for yourself, but you find it. Charger. <laughs> it's I all good. Charger, man. <laughs> I'm ruining it. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, no, it's cool, man. We're, we got a we got like a time limit on the podcast, so. <laughs> okay. Yeah, dude, my laptop's gonna die any second. Oh, really? Yeah. Um. Sorry. What was your question again? <laughs> um, like what? What was that area of Bears Ears? What was it like that first day? Um. So the first day, uh, like I said, we went out. Nobody there. Um, so we just kind of like, we went into this place called the Cane Gulch and the Cane Gulch is a huge Canyon. And so you kind of hike into the Canyon and there's these big Canyon walls on each side and the whole entire Canyon, it, it goes for like 40, 50 miles, the whole entire thing. Wow. We kind of did a loop with it. Um, but the whole entire Canyon is full of petroglyphs, pictographs, um, dwellings, artifacts it's full of just all of these incredible things wow. and so what we did is we just went from like we just were trying to hit all the the big dwellings and petroglyphs petroglyphs and everything that we possibly could so we just kind of went through the whole thing and just kind of stopped at each one um took some time you know to kind of you know take pictures and enjoy the area kind of feel you know what the vibe of the area and what these people were actually like and what they were, what they were, you know, doing, you know, yeah. during those periods of time back in the day. And then, uh, we'd move on to the next one. And so we were running in between, but a lot of it was hiking as well and just kind of taking our time, you know, and really enjoying the area. Um, and then we went up this Canyon called bullet Canyon and uh, bullet Canyon also is full of just artifacts and everything. Um, it got about dark about halfway up the canyon and we just kind of made our way out and then looped back around and it was just such an incredible experience man like you're out there and you really get to see you know what these what these people were like yeah. you know how they lived what their culture was like, you know, and you kind of try to put yourself into the, their, their shoes. Yeah. It probably almost kind of like, tra like almost transported you back in time. I don't know if that's like too overdramatic, but <laughs> you know, you're in an area when you're not, there's not a lot of technology around and you're seeing all the old artifacts. And I got to imagine that's, that's just a really unique experience. Yeah, no, it was, it was just completely unique experience. Hey, found the charger. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like that as like a little uh, subplot of the podcast, you know? The yeah, whole, yeah. Like, <laughs> suspense of looking for the charger. Ah, got it. Well, All once right. you said that, though, I was like, oh, man, I'm not using a charger either. I'm like, oh, I hope I have enough. <laughs> Dude, I, thought, I thought it had enough battery, but uh, I was apparently wrong. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, um, 
I'm sorry. What, what was your question again? No, man. Uh, just, yeah, like head on into day two. So how many, you spent four days down there? Or? Three days. Three so we days. did three okay. days, uh, 100 miles. So yeah, I'll just Jeez, take you through man. the whole thing. So <laughs> the first day was 40 miles. Um, second day, we kind of took our time and we did 17 miles Okay. Um, on the second day. Most of it was just hiking. Um, we did some more like kind of some areas that are really hard to get to. So we had to drive to some of these areas. And one of the hikes that we did, man, it's called the Citadel. If you ever have an opportunity to go down there, you got to do it. It's called, it's, it's called the Citadel. And it's this, it's this big rock like in the middle of this huge deep canyon out there. And there's like a natural bridge that goes across over to the rock. No way. And the rock is a big, it's a big circle. And around the whole circle of the rock, there's dwellings all the way around it. And so you have to go across this like rock bridge, which, you know, it's a little exposed in some areas and you go across it and then you get over into the middle section. And and dude it's <laughs> it is so cool man it's just like the coolest thing um because people live there you yeah. know and and you're like man how did they live here like you know uh what what was this was this something like sort of temple or was it like a, a military base or you know yeah. what was it and uh so we kind of took our time doing that um we did some other hikes as well that day um and then on the third day we did uh a lot on four-wheeler roads, actually. Um, there's a place called the Valley of the Gods. Okay. And that's in the southern section. So we hit, you know, kind of the middle section with the gulch, with Cane Gulch. Um, we also went and did the Bears Ears area, the Bears Ears Buttes. And then we did um, the Citadel, which yeah. is kind of the northern section. I'm just looking up the, the Citadel right now. and it, yeah, yeah, man. I just got to look this up. This is crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's it's gorgeous, man, and it's it's hard. To, like pictures only don't I know. do it justice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and then we did the Valley of the Gods the third day, and the Valley of the Gods is kind of like Monument Valley. Okay. It's these huge monuments. There's like a four wheeler road that goes through it, and I did 43 miles that day on uh, the four wheeler road, and then a little bit up near uh, on another trail as well was your so. brother and friend were they joining you for the whole 100 miles or so my friend did about 60 miles okay. my brother did about 80 miles okay i did the full 100 um they uh my my friend was uh he's a professional photographer um if you've actually seen a lot of the photos that hoka's been posting lately um he took all those photos okay and so he was doing a lot of the photography stuff to kind of make sure that we could educate people with the social media. Yeah. Um, my brother was just there to have fun and join and <laughs> yeah. you know, do as much as he could. But, you know, he got a little tired by the last day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we weren't getting a lot of sleep at night. You know, it was just mostly just going for it, you know, over the three days and really trying to explore as much as we can, take in as much as we can. Yeah. So. Well, where you guys were camping was... I mean, were you by anything or were you just kind of in the middle of the wilderness? Um, we were just kind of in the middle of the wilderness. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. And so, 
Uh, the closest town is Blanding, Utah, you know, which oh, is... I know Blanding quite well, man. My wife got a speeding ticket through there last year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the yeah, nicest, yeah. It was the nicest cop I've ever met in my life. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the only person he's pulled over in years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> awesome. Was. Yeah, so you that was the nearest town. How far away was that? Uh, about 40 minutes or an hour away. Okay. Um, yeah, about that. And so it was uh, completely out there by ourselves in the wild, man, underneath the stars, you know, like the clearest skies that you could ever imagine. And uh, it was cold, though. You know, the, the it's really it gets cold up there. The elevation's pretty high. You know, the the Bears Ears Buttes are like nine thousand feet high oh, or wow. something, eight thousand, nine thousand feet. Um, you know, down in the valley in the Gulch area, it's like still 5,000, 6,000 feet elevation. And so it gets cold. Uh, so we were definitely bundled up, but <laughs> yeah, it was all definitely, it was worth it. You know, it was to- totally worth it. And honestly, I came out of it just a better person, man. Like just a, a more educated person, but also just like better in the fact that I, uh, I became more cultural. Yeah. You know, I, I gained a lot of respect for the Native American culture um gained a love for the, that people and also just doing something for more than just myself you yeah. know it, it really meant a lot to me so yeah that's i mean that's kind of what really inspired me to reach out is you know like usually you hear of elite athletes you know running races winning races which is always great but to do something beyond yourself to do something for a bigger cause is is really inspiring yeah, and I hope to do more in the future, yeah. you know. Um, Zion Traverse was also something we did for the national parks. And, you know, Hoka was generous enough to rate or, you know, give $10,000 to the National Park Foundation for that. And, you know, it's just something that I've really decided that I want to do. I don't want to just be the fast guy, yeah. you know, the fast runner. I want to be a guy that makes a difference in the sport as well. Yeah, man. So. And using, you know, using your influence in that way is is really important because you 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 do have the influence you know yeah which yeah for sure i'm gaining it i mean i'm not quite uh, not quite killian status yet but (laughs) no man getting up there i guess crazy there's always a a moment um i guess i've only been in colorado for one summer but it was just hilarious last year uh when he came out for hard rock and there was like killian sightings you yeah. know, people kept yeah. posting online. Like I saw this guy just like sprinting up Long's Peak and everyone's like, yeah, that was Killian. There's just Killian sighting around the state. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Which is awesome, it's, man. A, it's crazy. Like, but if you go out to Europe, man, yeah, it's, it's nuts for Killian. It's crazy. But like, even for like us Americans, like here in the U S you know, we're gaining, I guess, more exposure and more respect and everything, um, for our sport. But you go out to Europe, man, and you're like treated like a celebrity yeah. out there, man. It's like, it's crazy. Like, it's weird for me because I'm like, I'm not LeBron James, man. Like, I'm this little trail runner from Utah, you know? Like, yeah. Well, yeah. So. Can I ask you a little bit just here really quick about the CCC experience? First of all, yeah. what does CCC stand for? I kept trying to figure that out today. Yeah. So it stands for the three main cities that you run okay. through. Uh so the, the race goes through France, Switzerland, and Italy. Yeah. And uh, there's three main cities that you run through. They're kind of the 
the main aid stations and the start and finish. Okay. So the first city is Cham- Chamonix, which is in France. That's where the, the race finishes. Um, and then you have uh, Champé-Lac, which yep. is in Switzerland. Okay. Um, Champé-Lac is uh, kind of the midpoint of the race. And then um, Cormier, which is in Italy, and that's the start of the race. Here's so. a here's a weird question. Do you yeah. have to go through customs <laughs> like during a race? <laughs> no, no. You don't even know when you cross a that's border. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Because I was just thinking, I'm like, man, I remember I went on a fishing trip to Canada and we had to like stop at an island in our boat. Really? We, like entered Canada. Yeah. So you don't yeah. have to do that during the race. Okay, that makes sense. No, they're a little more lax there. Like yeah. you can drive in between countries and, and not get your passport checked sometimes. Oh, you that's know? awesome. And, so it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, they're all so close together too. Yeah. Like, you know, when, when you go through the tunnel that goes through the Mont Blanc, you actually go like the, the line, the border is like in the middle of the mountain. Um, they have like a, a picture on the side of the tunnel. That's like, you're now entering Italy <laughs> and uh, you're like, Hey, this is like the middle of the mountain. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, that's it's cool. Been, so like experiencing kind of like the runner celebrity status over there, what's, what's that like? Are you doing a bunch of interviews, like a bunch of little films or, or what, how's that working out? Yeah. All, all that, man. Like yeah. your, uh, interviews, signing autographs, you know, <laughs> pictures, like all the time, like you walk through Cham- Chamonix and this people all come up to you. Hey, hey really? can I take a picture with you? No and, way. That's cool. Yeah, Oh yeah, sure. You know, I, I love it. You know, I love, I really like talking to people. You know, I like to socialize. It's, you know, it's, it's something I enjoy. So I, I like to, you know, do as much as I can with that stuff and really enjoy making friends and, and talking to people and hearing about their backgrounds and where they come from. Cause you have so many people from all over the world that come for that race. And, uh, so I, I really enjoy that. Um, but it's just crazy to me because like I said, man, like, I'm just like a buck 35, you know, this little <laughs> tiny skinny dude, yeah. you know, I'm not like some, uh, some crazy cool athlete. I well, guess it's, it's funny, like <laughs> just the way we imagine professional athletes in America, you know, you're imagining like a football player, or basketball player, and they're gigantic and, you know, and it is, it's just a completely different culture when you go to a new place, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, this lady, like, she had me sign her, uh, like, an autograph on a piece of paper for her unborn child. What? Like, she had, like, a baby in her belly, and she's just like, hey, can you sign this autograph for my unborn child and <laughs> give my child advice on uh, on how to be a good trail runner? Whoa. And I was like, yeah, sure. So I signed this <laughs> card, and I don't know. <laughs> I was, that was that was kind of crazy to me, but that's about the craziest one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, if she like named named the the kid after you, that would be a little weird too. <laughs> yeah, that would be weird. But... <laughs> um, that's awesome, man. So, are you planning on going back? Yeah, I am actually. So, I don't know uh, if you've heard, but we're actually we're we might be moving out there for about a year. No way. Um, yeah, in May we're uh, thinking about going out, living in Chamonix, and. Um, then going down to the Pyrenees and living down there for a little bit and just really seeing what it's like to live in Europe. Um, places are out there. 
So it's kind of like, why not? You know, like, I can. I'm not strapped down to a job. Like, I can go out there. I can do this. You know, I can learn from the European runners. You know, learn how to descend really fast on technical stuff, and just really have the experience of like being more, becoming more cultural, yeah. and really seeing what it's like. You know. Oh, that's so cool, man. So we're we're planning on it. Me and my wife, we're 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 actually uh, planning it all out right now, and. Uh, yeah, so we might not be back for a year to two years, you know, depending on what we decide we want to do. So wow, man, that's awesome. Well, best of luck, best of luck to you for that. Um, and I guess the way we started ending the podcast around here is, you know, I, I was thinking about all the inspiration. Like I always leave these conversations inspired, and I always hope people listening do as well. But like, how do you turn that inspiration into something that's actually actionable? Like, how can they take like an action step towards whatever their own goals may may be? Yeah, uh, I've always told people, you know, I've, I coach now and, uh, you know, help people out with that. And I've always told people that first you need to enjoy it. You know, you need to find something that you enjoy, you know, whether that be road running or track and field or trail running, like find out what you enjoy and, in, and, and go into it a hundred percent, you know, be fully invested into what you're doing. Um, because if you don't find joy in it and if you don't like it and you're not happy with it, you're not going to do it for very long. Like it's just, you're going to burn out. You're not going to have fun with it. Um, that being said, uh, the biggest training advice I can give people is just consistency, man. Yeah. Like so many people I feel like in this, in this world, they want instant gratification. You know, they want to be fast right away. Like they want to win UTMB, you know, (laughs) in a month, you know, they want to be able to like train for a month and then run a super fast time. It's not how it works with running, man. Running is a patient. It's a, it's a game of patience. Like, you need to be willing to be consistent and just day after day after day after day, you know, put in the work. Um, it's not going to be instant gratification. It's going to be a long-term gratification. Um, you know, I've got to where I am because I've been running for almost 10 years now. Yeah. You know, and it just takes time. And that, there's been a lot of ups. There's been a lot of downs over those 10 years more downs than ups. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of times where I just don't feel like running, but I still do it because I know that in the long run, like in the long term, it's going to be worth it. And, uh, you just got to be consistent and enjoy it and realize and have patience. It's the biggest. Nice man. Powerful. The power of consistency is something like I cannot speak enough about. It's crazy. But, no, for sure. but yeah, man, well, thanks for chatting today and best of luck with everything in the future. I'd love to reconnect at some point when you're, when you're out and you know, you're like, uh, adopted European at that point <laughs> when I'm speaking French. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I took four years of French. I can speak a couple sentences. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't speak anything right now, but hopefully I'll learn some, dude, um, you'll pick it but up. But yeah, anytime, dude, like I'm more than happy to join you anytime. Like I, I love getting on here and, and talking and having fun. So, um, just let me know. And I, I more than happy to join you anytime you want. So. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll get back at you at some point. See you. Hey, okay. yeah, thanks. Bye. All right. That'll do it for the podcast this week. Thank you so much, Hayden. Best of luck in the future. Um, I gotta say I had the most enjoyable time 
chatting with you and talking with you and picking your brain. Um, you're just an incredible dude. You're incredibly nice and generous with your time. Uh, and like I said, your your trip to Bears is just super inspiring. And uh, I really, I really want to go there. I'm planning on traveling there at some point, maybe next summer. Um, you know, it's only about seven and a half hours from my house, and I would love to experience the desert in that fashion. But yeah, if you guys enjoyed the podcast, I would highly recommend um, going on our website likeabigfoot.com or going on iTunes, subscribing, leaving us a review. Um, I had a blast. We have a bunch of episodes that are similar. Uh, Other elite ultra runners, Jason Schlarb, um, talking about the Hard Rock 100 was a great episode. Um, We have Candice Burt, who's the uh, race director for Bigfoot and Tahoe 200s, which still just freaking blows my mind. Uh, that people run 200 miles. Those would be good ones to listen to. Um, you know, if you enjoyed the kind of the public lands aspect of the conversation, you should really, I would highly recommend going back and listening to uh, my episode with Bill Psycholic, my buddy Bill now, because uh, he moved to Denver and we've been running together uh, at least once a week. Um, he ran every national park, uh, ran a marathon every national park over the last year, um, except Alaska so far. He's still working on Alaska, but everywhere else he's ran every single national park. Uh, That's a really cool conversation, kind of just shows you the areas that you have available to you. And those were only the national parks. I mean, you have other land managed by like Bureau of Land Management, you have national forests, you have state parks, you know, and even like where I'm at in Colorado in Jefferson County, we have all sorts of open spaces. I mean, all these, all this land is available for us to use, um, you know, in various ways. So check that out. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, which I realized was like a super long intro. So apologies. Hopefully, if you didn't want to hear me ramble, you just skipped ahead to Hayden. <laughs> um, but as I said at the beginning of the podcast, it's one of my commitments to really um, explore some new areas in 2018. And I hope that's your commitments as well, because there are some just tear inducing, like goosebump giving like badass areas in the United States that, that, you know, I haven't seen, like, I haven't even began to like scratch the list of all the areas that I want to witness and explore in this country. So I hope you guys go out Check out some areas. Check out some local areas. Check out some state parks. That'd be sweet too. Um, But yeah, plan something. Plan some sort of adventure in 2018. And uh, yeah, man, that's where we're going to leave it this week. Hopefully you guys have a great week. Hope you had a great holiday. Um, Let's get back into it. 2018 is going to be awesome for the Like a Bigfoot podcast. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for enjoying these. Um, If you have any people you think would be great, conversations, uh, send me an email, likeabigfoot at gmail.com or reach out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those fun things. All right, guys, we'll get back at you next week.